0: If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to go to the book of Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. Before we read, before we read this text, I, I look out in our, our, our congregation this morning and it's really no, it really wouldn't be unlikely that everybody in this room today, we, we all have different educational backgrounds, different educational backgrounds. Uh, some in here this morning have graduate degrees, maybe you have undergraduate degrees, maybe you have some college, maybe no college, maybe you just you graduated high school, maybe you didn't even finish high school, but, but you, 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 whatever your educational background is, it, it, it's clear to see that we all have these different educational backgrounds, but, but even in that, there is still one commonality I think that we all have, and that, that commonality thing that we all have is the fact that we are all still in school. We're all still in school whether you think so or not i don't care if you have a phd whatever you got you are still in school uh some would would venture to call it maybe it's just the school of life and that that may be true there is the school of life that you're just you're living life and you're learning and growing at the same time but as but as christians this is especially true because it's in this school as christians that, that, that God is, is, is training us, it's where God is, is molding us, it's where he's disciplining us, it's where he is, he is uh, sanctifying us, he's, he's teaching us to learn, and, and we're growing to be more and more like him. And so, so we are all still in school, whether we think so or not, specifically for us as Christians. And so for the sake of this message today, we're just going to call this message today, because we're all still in school, we're going to call this Welcome to Wilderness University. Welcome to Wilderness University. Now, when I say the term wilderness, I'm, I'm referring to the journey that the Israelites had from, from Egypt to the promised land, the wilderness. Uh, the thing that's interesting about Wilderness University is the fact that There's so many different tests within the wilderness, but each test always has one same question. And that question that needs to be answered in every single test in Wilderness University is simply this. What do you believe about God? What do you believe about God when you are in the wilderness? When you are journeying through wilderness university, the question you need to ask yourself and the question you need to answer is what do you believe about God while you are in the middle of the wilderness? Now, truth be told, we all at one point in our lives have been through a wilderness. Maybe you're going through a wilderness. A wilderness is really symbolic for the fact of a a dry, barren land. And and when we talk about that in regards to the Israelites, if you know the story of the Israelites, the, the Israelites were at one time living in Egypt, and while they were in Egypt, they were in bondage, they were in slavery. Uh, they were uh, under the heavy-handed rule of, of Pharaoh. And so, and so life was not good for them in Egypt. And the Bible says that the, that the Israelites, they cried out. They cried out in despair. They, they cried out in anguish. Bless you. And the Bible says that God heard their cry. Aren't you grateful for a God that hears us? The Bible says that God heard their cry. And so it was in that that God began to orchestrate and put together a rescue mission for the Israelites, his people, his children. And he uses a man named Moses to help lead the people out of Egypt, to free the people from Egypt out of slavery and take them on a journey to the promised land. Freed them from slavery, freed them from bondage onto the promised land now what's interesting about this fact is that this journey from Egypt to the promised land should have only taken about two weeks roughly two weeks some say about 11 days is the journey the walking journey from Egypt to the promised land to Canaan but instead it didn't take them two weeks it took them 40 years Yes, that's, that's right. A journey that should have been two weeks took them 40 years. 40-year 40 journey through the wilderness, a 40-year journey to this promised land that God had given them. And the reason being is that God knew that the Israelites still had a lot to learn about him. God is supernatural. He's miraculous. God could have easily just transported the Israelites out of Egypt and zapped them, got them into the promised land, end of journey, just like that in a split second. He could have easily done all that, but God knew there was still a lot that they had to learn about him. There was a lot that they had to learn about his ways. There was a a lot that they had to learn about his character and who he he is and, and, and what he's capable of doing. And so what should have taken them those two weeks took them these 40 years because they were hard learners. It was hard for them to learn. It was hard for them to truly get who God was, even in the midst of this journey, even seeing the hand of God on their lives. And so what relevance does this have to do with us? Well, if you read in the scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 11, you don't have to turn there, but you can write this down if you're taking notes. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says, these things happened to them, talking about the Israelites, as examples And were written down as warnings for us. And so the Bible lets us look into the lives of the Israelites. The Bible lets us look into all their mistakes, all their issues, all their junk, all the pitfalls that they're going to fall into, all those different things. Why? To serve as an example for us. That we would learn from them, that we would not make the same mistakes that they make. And so here we are today in Wilderness University. Let's look at the Israelites for a moment on this journey to the promised land. Clearly, as I said earlier, they saw the miraculous supernatural power of God. There was even one instance where where, where God parts the Red Sea, where he parts this large body of water so that they could walk through and escape the Egyptian army who was after them. And then to top it all off, God uses that same body of water to destroy the Egyptian army. I mean, these are things that they saw with their own eyes. These are things that they saw on a regular basis. They always saw the hand of God. They always saw the presence of God. They always saw God's blessing. They saw God's provision. They began to see and know and learn what God was capable of. So keep that in mind as we read this text today. Because what we're going to read today is that they are about to take a test, one of many tests in Wilderness University. And so if you have your Bible, Exodus chapter 17, verse 1, says this. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb and strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled. And because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not. Is the Lord among us or not? Remember there are many different tests in Wilderness University but each test only has one question. What do you believe about God? What do you believe about God? And so what I want to do this morning is I want to give us really the three keys to succeed in Wilderness University. Man I got bars, did you hear that? Like the keys to succeed, like that was so good. The three keys to succeed in Wilderness University. I don't know about you but I want to be successful in Wilderness University. I want to do well in this school that God has me in. I want to do well to learn more and, and, and get molded and shaped more to be like him and so my hope is that you are taking notes this morning Uh, If you're not taking notes, uh, grab a phone, put it in your your notebook or whatever you got in your phone or your tablet, whatever you have with you this morning, because I promise you, you will not remember this tomorrow if you did not take notes. So take notes. You got your notepad? Got your pen? Got your open heart? Let's go. Three keys to succeed in Wilderness University. Here we go. Number one, write this down. Never feel entitled to God's blessing. Never feel entitled to God's blessing. We see here in the text that the Israelites, they demanded water. They demanded water. They said, Give us water to drink. That's a demand. And, 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 and just like the Israelites, there are many Christians, many within the church, that live life as if they are deserving of God's provision. We, we live life like we are deserving of God's blessing. We live life like God is supposed to bless us. We live life like God is supposed to provide for us. And we walk around, and even within the church and even within life and in, public, in pl- public places, and we just walk around with this sense of entitlement. Like this isn't something God is supposed to do for me. And just like the children of Israel, we demand God provide for us. We demand God bless us. But if you want to succeed in Wilderness University, never feel entitled to it. Because when you feel entitled to something, you feel as if you deserve something. But what you got to remember about God's blessing and his provision is that his blessing and provision, these are, these are gifts of grace that he gives us. And if you know what grace is, grace is the unmerited, unearned favor of God. Meaning there was nothing that you could do to earn this Gift. There is nothing you could say. There's no good deed you could do. There's no good behavior that you could be on that could get you to earn the grace of God. And so when we walk around like we deserve His blessing, when we walk around like we deserve His provision, we walk around like spoiled children. They demanded something to drink they demanded water now we see them they're led to this place this is on the journey clearly God is ordaining this for them right and so he leads them to a place where there's no water he leads them to a place where where they feel like there's no provision. And instead of recognizing that they are people that are undeserving of what God has already done for them, that they are, instead of living as people that they are, as they are undeserving of God's provision, they demanded and felt entitled for God to move and provide for them in that moment. I I, I liken it to my own children. Now, my two girls, they're great kids. They're great kids. They are good girls. They, They act right for the most part. They, they, they're, they're great, great children. We don't have a lot of problems with our girls yet. I say yet because, you know, the, you know, that teenage years is coming, right? Like, I know I'm not naive. I get it. But right now, my girls are good. They act right. That's mainly due to how great their mother is. But, but it's just they, they, they're good kids. But they never really come to us demanding anything. They may ask five, 10, 15, 20 times, but they don't come demanding like, Dad, pay the electric bill so we could have light. Dad, pay my phone bill so I can have my phone connected. Dad, buy me clothes so I can be clothed. Dad, dad, buy me food so that I can eat. Like, they don't come to me like that because I promise you if they came to me like that, I would feel a certain way. Now, I'm a, I'm a dad who loves his kids, and I, surely those are things that I'm going to give my children, but if they come demanding that stuff from me, like I said, I'm going to start feeling a little, little funny about that. Like, who are you to demand me to provide for you? You already know I'm a provider. You already know I'm good for it. You already know you're going to have food to eat. You already know you're going to have clothes on your back. You already know you're going to have electricity. Why would you come demanding that from me when you already know what I'm capable of? And that's what the children of Israel were doing in this moment. They were demanding as if God wasn't going to come through for them. They were demanding as if they hadn't already seen what God was capable of. They felt a sense of entitlement. They felt deserving of God's provision. They felt deserving of God's blessing. Do you walk around like you deserve God's blessing? Do you live your life as if you deserve God's provision? What do you believe about God? Never feel entitled to God's blessing. Never feel entitled to it recognize that it is a gift of grace recognize that it is a gift that he gives all of us because he's so good which leads me to my next point if you read verse three it says but the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses they said why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? He's frustrated. God, what am I to do with them? They're almost ready to stone me, meaning, man, they're so mad at me, they're liable to kill me, God. But what we see here in this text, and this is point number two, I need you to write this down. Never doubt God's goodness. Never doubt God's goodness. Here's what I mean by that. Here's the question that they asked. Did God deliver us out of Egypt? Did God save us out of slavery? Did God deliver us out of bondage just to bring us to a place so we could all die? They were doubting how good God was. It's almost as if they got amnesia. It's almost as if they never saw him lead them out of Egypt. It's almost as if they never saw this Red Sea uh, event happen. It's almost as if they didn't see the waters trample over the Egyptian army. It's like they got amnesia. They forgot how good God was. And so in their minds, they're thinking, well, God, did you really bring us out here to die? to die of dehydration, to die of starvation. They forgot the goodness of God. Never doubt God's goodness. Never doubt it. Never doubt it. But see, sometimes as humanly speaking, as fleshly people that we are, we, when we're in the wilderness, when we're in that dry and barren land, when we're in a place where we don't really see provision, when we're in a place where we don't really see blessing, a lot of times it's easy for us to forget how good God has already been to us. It's easy for us to do that. And you may say, well, man, I've never said that God isn't good. I've never made, that statement has never left my mouth before. I've never said that. But see, here's the thing. We don't say it with our words, but we sure say it with our actions. We sure live at times like God is not good to us. And here's how that plays out for us. And I've seen it so many times throughout my time within church, within ministry, even in my own life. Here's the thing. When you're in the wilderness and situations aren't going your way, when you aren't getting the blessings that you feel you deserve, when you aren't getting the provision that you feel you deserve, a lot of times what happens is many of us jump ship. We say, why why am I even serving God? Like, why am I even coming to church? Why am I even living this life? God isn't coming through for me. And there are so many people that I know personally, and maybe you do too, that you don't see anymore. You don't see them around church anymore. You don't see them really, you, you just don't see them in the faith anymore. You kind of see them out of the faith, living kind of their own life outside of here. And a lot of times that has to do with the fact that, that, that God didn't come through for them the way that they wanted him to. God didn't provide for them the way that they, they felt like he needed to for them. And so they began to doubt God's goodness. They began to doubt how good he really is. They began to, like the Israelites, have amnesia about how good God has already been to them. And if you ever come to a point, if you ever come to a place where you're doubting God's goodness, this, if you don't remember anything else I say today, please remember this. If you ever come to a place where you're doubting the goodness of God, Always go back to the cross. Here's why. Check this out. God has already solved the biggest problem you will ever have. Catch that. God has already solved the biggest problem you would ever have. And the biggest problem you would ever have is to be separated from him. The biggest problem you would ever have in your life is not being right with God. That's the only thing you need to worry about. That's the only thing in life that truly matters. Am I right with God? And you know what? God has already solved that problem for you through the cross of Jesus Christ. He did it. He did it already. He solved the problem. He's demonstrated his goodness. God is not required to do anything more for us. God doesn't have to bless you anymore. You don't have to. He's already given you the greatest blessing you could have ever received. Eternal life. What more could you ask for? God has already provided for you everything that you would ever need in life. Why would we ever doubt the goodness of God? Why would we live our lives abandoning ship? Why would we just leave all of this and say, God, I don't need to live for you anymore. I, you're not coming through for me right now. I didn't get that job that I've been praying for. I didn't get that promotion that I've been praying for. My relationship is garbage right now. God, you were supposed to intervene. You were supposed to step in, and now it's all messed up. I'm just leaving this whole thing. I don't need you anymore. God, is not required to meet any of those needs. He's not required to. He's already done the greatest thing for you you could have ever asked for. But instead, we we, we go through this wilderness making demands on God. We go through this wilderness walking around entitled, entitled to his blessing, entitled to his provision. As I said earlier, if my girls came to me with those demands, if they came to me demanding, that I provide for them, things that they know that I'm capable of, things that they know I'm already going to give them. Yes, I'm going to feel a certain way about that. And yes, God feels a certain way about that. Yes, he does. That's why he put this in the text. That's why he put this in the scriptures for us. Why? So that we would learn. He says, you know, those Israelites watch and learn. Watch what they did. Look what I did for them and watch how they treated me in return. Watch how I provided for them and watch their attitude towards me. Never doubt God's goodness. God will not redeem you just to forsake you. God didn't call you out of a life of sin just to leave you high and dry. God didn't pull you out of this into this marvelous light, into this eternal life, just so you can be wanting and in need. He's your provider. He's more than able to provide for you. He's more than able to meet your need. But I think the problem a lot of times lies in the the difference between wants and needs. There are a lot of things that you want, and God's like, that's not what you need. And it's when that happens, it's when God responds that way that we start to feel a certain way towards God. But God will never let his children, that's us, God will never let his children be without. He's always going to provide what you need, He's always got provision for you. Why do we ever doubt his goodness? Why would we ever doubt that he's got my best interests at heart? He's done the best thing he could have ever done for me. But this is the wilderness test. This is when we're going through our dark season. This is when we're we're going through our our trials. This is when we're going through those those moments, those seasons of our lives that are hard, that are pressing, that are at times, uh, we don't know how we're going to make it. We don't know how we're going to survive it. That's the wilderness test. What do you believe about God in your wilderness? What do you believe about God? Do you still believe he is good when things aren't going your way? Do you still believe he is good when the season is dark? Do you still believe he is good when your relationships aren't what they, you would like them to be? Do you still believe he is good when your bank account isn't as full as you'd like it to be, do you still believe in his goodness? What do you believe about God? And so they're on this journey. They're they're making their trek to the promised land, and they're going through this one specific test. And in verse 5, it says, the Lord answered Moses. Remember, Moses is now getting frustrated He's saying, Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're grumbling. They're getting upset. They're mad at me. They're so mad at me. They want to kill me. Like, if I ever think I have it bad as a pastor, I always look at Moses. Like, for real. Like, this this is nothing compared to this. Like, I don't think any of y'all want to kill me. But, but like, he's upset and he's frustrated. He's frustrated with the people. God, what am I to do? And the Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? So not only must we never feel entitled to God's blessing, not only must we never doubt God's goodness, but the third and final key for us is this. Never forget that God is always with us. Never forget that God is always with us. Now, here's here's the beautiful thing about this story. And this is why I'm so glad that God is not like me. And I'm glad God is not like many of you. Because if I were God in this story, if I were God and I saw the Israelites, And I've done all this miraculous, supernatural things for them. I've provided for them. I've blessed them. I've rescued them. I've done all these great things for them. And after all that, you still doubt if I'm good? After all that, you're still asking the question, is the Lord with us or not? After all that, it might have been over for the Israelites. I'm not lying. I I probably would have gotten so frustrated with them and like, man, just... Poof, they're gone. Start over. I need a new people. (laughs) These ungrateful children. And I would have struck them. Oh, you're going to learn. Oh, you're going to learn. That would have been me. But aren't you glad God's not like us? because what does God do? God instructs Moses. God, I'm so frustrated with these people. They want to kill me. They're spoiled. They're all these different things. And God says, here's what I want you to do. See this rock up here? I want you to go up to this rock. And that same staff that you struck the Nile River with, that same staff that I've used to perform miraculous signs and wonders. I need you to strike a rock. I need you to hit a rock. And Moses goes up to the rock and he strikes the rock and out of the rock, water flows from the rock. That's wild. Water flows from a rock, a stone. Water is flowing at it because Moses struck the rock. Now, here's what's so beautiful about this. Even in the midst of their rebellion, even in the midst of their doubting, even in the midst of their spoiled ways, God still chooses to provide for his children. And let me even take it a step further. Here's how so so awesome this is. This is my favorite part. God didn't strike his children. Instead, he had Moses strike a rock. Follow me. In the same way for us, we at times live life as spoiled children. There was even seasons of our lives where we just outright reject God. We don't live for him. We don't Pray to him only when we want something. We don't read his love letter he wrote to us in the scriptures. We we don't take the time to to, to thank him. We don't take the time to show gratitude. We weren't even checking for him. We weren't living our lives for him, all these different things. And the reality is, because of the way we used to live, we deserve to die. We deserve, as the Bible says, God's wrath. We deserve that. Why? Because of our sin because of our evil, because of our wickedness. But here is how good God is. Even after all that, God doesn't strike us. Instead, he strikes the rock. He strikes the rock, the rock Christ Jesus. And out of the rock Christ Jesus flows life. And he provides. Hey, check this out. I didn't come up with that. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. Talking about the Israelites. They were all baptized into Moses, into the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. I've provided for them. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. And that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. See, and here's the thing we need to realize this morning. And this goes so well with what we were singing this morning over and over and over again so you could get it. God chose not to strike us. Instead, God is so good, he still chooses to provide for us. Even as spoiled and at times wicked and at times entitled and demanding we may be. God saw the children of Israel. He saw how messed up they were. He saw how bad they were acting and how they were demanding water. And when Moses, I, Moses might have been tripping at that moment because Moses might have thought, God, what do you want me to do? They're trying to kill me. And Moses probably thought, man, do the same thing you did to, to them. That's the same thing you did to the, to the Egyptian army. Like, I need you to destroy them, God. Like, just, just, just turn them into dust. Do something. And instead, God demonstrates provision. He says, no, go, go strike that rock. Go, go strike that rock. It's so unconventional, and it doesn't make sense. I know that, Moses, but just go strike the rock and watch me work. And out of it flowed life. Out of it flowed living water. And it's the same thing he provides for us. The striking of his son, Jesus. So that out of him could flow life, that out of him could also flow living water. That water that we would never thirst again with, that water that we would never go without, that water that truly satisfies. God says, you know what, even as bad as y'all been acting, even as foolish as y'all been acting, even as spoiled as you have been, I still provide for you. I still provide for you. And so if you are going through the wilderness test this morning, you are going through that land that is dry. You're going through that land where you don't see any fruit, no vegetation, nothing. And you're questioning what's going to happen. How am I going to make it? Our hope is that we wouldn't walk around in the wilderness as if we're entitled to God to do anything else. But that we would walk around the wilderness remembering how good God has already been. See, all the children of Israel needed to do at the, at the beginning, instead of being demanding, instead of being spoiled, They should have just come to Him humbly. They should have just come to Him in humility and saying, God, I know what you can do. I've seen your hand at work already in our lives. I've seen your power. I've seen your miracles. I've seen the signs. I've seen all of that, God. And we're at a place that doesn't have any water. There's no place for water. There's no body of water. There's no river. There's no pond. There's no nothing. But God, if you would, could you please provide for us the water that we need? I don't want my kids to die. I don't want my family to suffer. How do you think that would have moved the heart of God in that moment? What do you think he would have done in that moment? Man, look at my kids. They know me. My kids know what I'm capable of. My kids know what I can do for them. And look at their faith. Look at them. If you're in your wilderness this morning, approach God in humility. Approach God with acknowledging the fact, God, you've been so, so good to me. You've provided for me time and time again you've shown yourself strong in my life i'm a different person now i'm not who i used to be god thank you thank you for all of that but father at this moment you see my need at this moment you you see what i'm lacking You see my struggle, and God, in humility, I asked that you would please come through for me in this way, that you would please provide for me in this way. See that's how we pass the wilderness test. We don't walk around entitled, we don't doubt God's goodness, and we never forget that God is with us. God did not redeem you again. He did not redeem you to forsake you. He did not redeem you just to leave you high and dry. He is a provider, He does bless. But my hope is that we would come to that realization as we walk through our wilderness as we walk through our valley, as we walk through those dry places. Let's stand to our feet.